If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. Galatians 5, uh, we'll be looking at two verses. Verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. In verse 13, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. The title of my message today is Celebrating Freedom. Celebrating Freedom. As you know, tomorrow we celebrate our nation's independence. The 4th of July, also known as Independence Day or just good old July 4th, has been a federal holiday in the United States since 1941. But the tradition of Independence Day celebrations goes back, of course, to the 18th century and the American Revolution. On July 2nd, 1776, the Continental Congress voted in favor of independence. And two days later, delegates from the 13 colonies adopted the Declaration of Independence, a historic document drafted uh, by Thomas Jefferson. The Declaration officially broke all political ties between the American colonies and Great Britain and set forth the ideas and principles behind a just and fair government. When the Declaration was created, Uh, The founders wanted liberty from oppressive taxes, unjust military action, and many other uh, cruel things that were done to them uh, by Great Britain. And when this nation was established, it chose to break away from Great Britain and become independent to become free. In breaking away from Great Britain, our nation's founders chose to establish a way of life that would guarantee freedom to its citizens. They would no longer be in bondage to unjust taxation, unjust military action, and the many other demands that had been placed upon them. They chose to be free of those restraints. Their desire for freedom is why we are able to be here today. I understand our nation has many problems, many issues, and uh, it's far from a perfect nation. But I'm still thankful for the founding of this nation in freedom. And we should all be grateful. Whatever gripes we may have, whatever we're unpleased with, we should all be grateful for the freedoms we still have in this nation. I shared this history with you because tomorrow's celebration is a reminder for all of us of what it means to live in a free nation. This morning I also want to remind you of another kind of freedom. Freedom in Christ. And this freedom is not dependent upon what nation you live in. It's not dependent upon what government rules your nation. It's dependent only on the decision you have made to accept Christ as your personal Savior and live by His Word. Two statements in these verses we read this morning set the tone for our message today. Verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
And verse 13 declares, you were called to be free. In other words, God wants us to live in freedom. Can I get an amen on that? God wants us to live in freedom. Not only freedom from a tyrannical government, but also in spiritual freedom. For the next few minutes this morning, I want to answer the question, what are the freedoms we have in Jesus Christ? Yes, we should celebrate our nation's freedoms, but more significant, I believe, are the freedoms we have in Jesus Christ. What are the freedoms we have in Jesus Christ? The first freedom we have is freedom from slavery to a superseded law. Freedom from slavery to a superseded law. Galatians was written to encourage Christians who were justified by faith in Christ not to seek justification by returning to the bondage of keeping the Old Testament law, which had been superseded by Christ. We've been talking about this in our kingdom series. Uh, some of you may uh, remember some comments we made about the law being fulfilled and reinterpreted by Christ and in the New Testament. And Paul was writing to Jewish Christians here in Galatia who had been saved by faith in Jesus Christ, but they were being taught or encouraged from elsewhere to uh, place a focus on obeying the Mosaic law. And prominent in the next few verses after verse 1, we didn't read them this morning, uh, Paul talks about the rite of circumcision, which was something that was part of the Jewish law. And the apostles had decided in Acts chapter 15 that, uh, that Gentile Christians uh, were not bound by this part of the Old Testament law. Remember we said in our Kingdom series last week that through Christ's fulfillment of the Old Testament law, the ceremonial law was done away with. The moral law remains, but the ceremonial law was done away with. And so... Uh, Paul makes the point in these next few verses, and it's a, a very important point. He says, if you focus, uh, for example, on, on being justified by keeping one part of the law, say the right of circumcision, then you are making yourself bound uh, to keep the entire law. And no one is able to do that. We said last week the law was given to show us what sin is. No one could keep the entire law. So Paul is urging them in this epistle, don't go back to attempting to be justified by keeping a law, by keeping a code. You can't do it. It's not possible. You've been made free by faith in Jesus Christ. So uh, the, the law has been superseded by Christ. It's not that the law was invalid or the law was bad. It was given by God. But it has now been fulfilled and therefore superseded by Jesus Christ. Praise God. Aren't you glad we live on this side of the new covenant? This side of Calvary? This side of Jesus coming and fulfilling the law? So we no longer have to obey the law to be justified. We're justified by faith in Christ. So Paul tells the Galatians, don't attempt uh, to, to somehow live by another, another place. He said, having been justified by faith, why would you try to live by keeping a code? You've been justified by faith in Christ. Live by faith in Christ. That makes sense to me. How about you this morning? After the Civil War, freed slaves were given the choice to continue to share crop for their former owners. The pay for all their work would be a place to live and a small amount of money to feed and clothe their families. 
However, the cost of things was kept so high and their wages were so low that though these people were free, they remained in abject poverty. You can read about this in, 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 in your history books. They might have felt good about being technically free, legally free, but they found themselves economically and socially enslaved by another type of bondage. And, and, and so they were free in one sense, but they weren't truly free. And that's kind of what Paul is getting at here in Galatians. He says, stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We have the freedom from slavery to a law that has been superseded. And don't let anyone tell you that to uh, be right with God... Uh, to be secure in your salvation, you have to keep some kind of code. Now, Pastor Tim, does that mean it doesn't matter what we do? Of course not. Paul talks elsewhere about that. He says, because of grace should sin abound. And he said, no, God forbid. It matters how we live. And we said last week, again, I keep referring to our kingdom series. We said last week that the law of Christ is a higher standard because we serve God out of love for him. And that is a higher standard than just keeping a code. But Paul says here, don't return to a yoke of slavery. I, wanna, I want to encourage you to celebrate the freedom you have in Christ. Hallelujah. Celebrate that we live on this side of grace. Celebrate the fact that we are free from having to keep a code, having to keep a, 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 a set of rules and regulations. I've said this before. I think a lot of people uh, view, view God as, you, you ever play that whack-a-mole game? At the beach, you've, some of you have heard me say this before, but uh, you, you know, you, you have that little mallet and uh, you put your quarter in, or it's probably a dollar now, who knows, and you put it in, and the moles pop, and you got to whack them before they go down. And that, God's just there with that big old heavenly mallet, you know, and every time we step out of line, every time we do something wrong, he's ready to just come and whack us. We, we, we laugh at that, but that's almost tantamount to the picture some people have of Almighty God. That's not the God I serve. His grace is sufficient for me. His forgiveness is free. It flows. Amen? John said, uh, my little children, I write to you that you do not sin, but if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. So we are free from slavery to a law that has been superseded by Almighty Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank God for that freedom. I thank God for that freedom, that I don't have to worry. You know, there was a school of thought that said, uh, uh, I don't know how many of you grew up in Pentecostal households. You know, some, some of you have, some of you haven't. I, I did. And, and we were taught about the rapture, the, the return of Jesus Christ. And I believe in the rapture. I believe Jesus Christ is coming for those who are his. But every kid who grew up in, in I don't know, maybe other evangelical households, but I know in, in, in you know, in a Pentecostal household with a strong belief that Christ is coming and that, that we needed to live pure lives, which we do. Uh, you know, and you come home one day after school or something and your mom or somebody who's supposed to be there, some of you are smiling, you know what I'm talking about, and nobody's home. And then you think of what you did in the morning and yesterday and how you transgressed and you say, oh my goodness, I've missed the rapture. Right? I see some heads nodding and you're, oh, 
and, and you panic until somebody, you know, you know, a parent, a trusted church member, you, you confirm that they're still on the earth and you, you breathe this big sigh of relief. I haven't missed the rapture, thank God. Lord, I'll never, I'll never sin again. <laughs> thank God we don't have to live in that bondage. I'm not saying our sin doesn't matter. Of course it does. But we have an advocate with the Father. Grace flows. Amen. Amen. We're free from slavery to bondage. Hallelujah. Slavery to keeping a law. Thank God for that freedom today. Hallelujah. What is the second freedom we have in Jesus Christ mentioned here? It's this. It's the freedom not to indulge our sinful nature. Paul says here in verse 13, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. What's he talking about? The sinful nature, as the King James Bible refers to it, the flesh. That old nature. We've mentioned previously, and you know this, that when God saves us, he doesn't eradicate the sin nature. He gives us a new nature. Right? And, and, and there's, a, there's a battle between the flesh or, the, or this old sinful nature and the new nature we have in Christ. So Paul says here, don't use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. In other words, because we're free from keeping a law, because we're free from being justified by following a code, it doesn't mean that anything goes. And there was a school of thought that said that, and that's why Paul is addressing that. He's saying it doesn't mean it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how we live. It's not licensed to do whatever you want. For example, in our country, we have the right of free speech, although it's coming under attack nowadays. But we have the right of free speech, but that doesn't mean that we can use it to slander or threaten someone, does it? Someone famously once said, it doesn't give me the right to stand up in a crowded theater and yell fire. You know, we have freedom of speech, but there are limitations on it in a free society. So Paul says, Yes, you are free, but don't use that to indulge your sinful nature. Uh, what does he mean by, well, that sin nature is there, and it's, it's, it's constantly there, isn't it? Come on, let's just be honest. It's there. It's clawing at us. It's, it's, it's wooing us. It's enticing us. It's begging us to do what we feel to do. Remember years ago the saying, if it feels good, do it? We haven't heard that as a motto lately, but boy, it sure is a lifestyle. Don't you dare restrict me from doing anything. Feels good, do it. That's indulging, our, just giving our sin nature whatever it wants. Paul says your freedom is not for you to do that. And, and here's the ironic thing. I've mentioned this before, but consider this. When we say our freedom in Christ, since we have freedom in Christ, therefore we can do whatever we want to do. We have license to do anything we want to do. We are actually saying that we will, we will indulge our sin nature and that is actually giving in to the, a bondage to the sin nature. Because our sin nature will hold us in bondage if we indulge it. If, if, if we give it its way, if we do whatever we feel, if we say whatever we feel, we tell off whoever we feel, we, we, we do the acts of the flesh just because it feels good. If we give in to that, we, in the name of freedom, I'm doing what I want to do, we are actually placing ourselves in bondage to that sin nature. That's the irony. 
of living by license instead of living by freedom. God didn't intend for us to live that way. He intended for us to live holy lives. Thank God for freedom. And our freedom, though, is not to indulge our sin nature. If you're here today or watching online, you say, Pastor Tim, I hear you, and boy, I just feel the guilt just pouring on me in waves. Hey, join the club. And I don't say that flippantly, but man, we all experience that. And let me say this. Guilt is not always a bad thing. Unnecessary guilt is a bad thing. Uh, guilt for, for a just cause, for a just reason, is a good thing. Because it should turn our hearts to God. It should turn us toward asking for forgiveness and making things right with God. And that's the good news, as I said before. That when, as many times as we ask for forgiveness, God doesn't hold it back. Can you imagine if God said, well, you know, I've forgiven you a lot of times. And especially... And for that, for that specific thing you've done, I've forgiven you, and you, you've about reached the limit. Can you imagine God saying that? He never does. Forgiveness is available. And thank God for freedom we have. And, and our prayer needs to be, Lord, thank you for the freedom I have. And Lord, thank you that I'm free not to indulge in my sin nature. I don't have to be in bondage to what my flesh wants. I don't have to say yes to my sin nature. I don't have to give in. I don't have to say I can't help it. I'm free not to indulge my sin nature. Thank God for that freedom today. Amen? What's the third kind of freedom we have in Christ mentioned here? It's the freedom to serve one another in love. You were called to be free, verse 13 says... Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. Now, at, at, at first glance, that sounds like a contradiction in terms, doesn't it? We're free to serve. If I'm, what, what do freedom and service have to do with one another? Well, you see, the fact of the matter is, Servant, Jesus redefined the notion of servanthood. See, under the law, under bondage, servanthood was something you were bound to do. It was the product of your enslavement. You were a servant. You were bound. You were obligated to do certain things. Jesus taught us that in, in Christ, servanthood is something we choose to do. It's a way we choose to exercise our freedom. Remember at the Last Supper, when Jesus, it says, uh, took the towel and took the wash basin, and he went around to each of his disciples, and he washed their feet. You, you, you know the background on that. That was a servant's task. When, when guests were brought to a home, the, the servants of the home would, would come and because of the, the open uh, sandals they wore and the dusty roads, it was, it was considered uh, polite. It was considered protocol for the servant of the household to come and wash the feet of the guests. And here Jesus, the Lord and Master, did it. And of course, you know, Peter objected and uh, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in, in, in me. Peter said, okay, Lord, wash my feet, my body, my head, everything. You know, Peter went from one extreme to the other. But Jesus said, I am showing you what it means to be a servant. Not out of bondage. 
Not out of obligation, out of love. And, and the beautiful thing, the, one of the many beautiful things about Christianity is that it frees us, it frees us from having to prove something. It frees us from having to uh, be insecure about our freedom, if that makes sense. <laughs> because when, when we have a servant's heart and we serve someone in love, we do it freely, we do it joyfully, we do it cheerfully, and we're not threatened by it. Oh, this is going to create an expectation. Oh, uh, oh, oh I'm, 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 I'm enslaving myself. But no, we don't, we don't worry about that. We follow Jesus' example. We serve one another in love. And, and that's one of the things I love about this church is, is the servants' hearts that I, I see here manifested. You want to make the heart of God glad, you serve a brother or sister in Christ. You serve someone in the world and do something, not out of obligation, not, not out, of, out of duty, not out of ritual, but out of love. Jesus was the freest person who ever lived, but he said this. He said, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. The closest you and I will ever get to freedom is when we pour ourselves into others. Carl Menninger, an acclaimed psychologist, determined years ago that the treatment of patients with clinical depression, uh, which was showing the greatest level of results, was having the patient find someone they could serve who was worse off than they were. Patient after patient would return, living a life full of problems and dealing with depression, when, when they were introduced to someone who was worse off than they were and they served them, patient after patient would, re, would re, return with reports of reduced levels of depression. So, see, see, we were created to serve. Not out of obligation, as I said, but out of love. Do, do some of you remember the name Bubba Smith? I see some blank expressions and some head nods. Okay, so... Bubba Smith was an all-pro NFL lineman for years. He, he was a, a force, you know. The, his job was to go get the quarterback, and he did. And when he was a student at Michigan State, in the stands, they would yell, and, and, and this might offend our sensibilities, but, you know, football mentality, they would yell, kill, Bubba, kill, you know. Not literally, but go get that quarterback. Well, after he retired from playing football, he started making beer commercials. Some of you might remember them. He was the guy who tore the top off of beer cans and engaged in the argument about whether the beer's best quality was that it tastes great or that it was less filling. Some of you remember that? Tastes great, less filling. In a magazine article, Bubba said that he has never, ever drunk beer. Drinking any kind of alcoholic beverage just isn't a part of his life. But he had the opportunity to advertise for it, and it, he felt good about his job. It was an easy job, it was enjoyable, and it paid him a lot of money. One day he went back to Michigan State, his alma mater, as the Grand Marshal of the Homecoming Parade. As he was riding in the limousine at the head of the parade, he heard the throngs of people on both sides of the parade shouting. And what were they shouting? Hail Michigan State? No. One side was shouting, tastes great. The other side was yelling, less filling. 
mimicking, of course, his commercials. He suddenly realized that the beer commercials he had made uh, had a tremendous impact on the students at his alma mater, Michigan State. Later, he was in Fort, Lord, Fort Lauderdale, Florida during spring break, and he saw drunken kids up and down the beaches shouting, Tastes great! Less filling! And when it came time to renew his contract, he and his agent were currently negotiating a new contract for a new round of commercials. He refused to sign, and he gave it up because he said he didn't want his life to count for something like that. And so he threw away the opportunity to make even more money selling beer. And he said there was a still small voice in his mind that kept saying, not kill Bubba, kill, but stop Bubba, stop. He gave it up in service to other people. Something powerful about serving other people. And as Jesus said, he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, who have been given freedom in Jesus Christ, we need to have that same mentality. Thank God for freedom. But he's given us a freedom to serve one another in love. And when we have the opportunity to serve, it's hard sometimes. It's not always convenient. It can get messy. Sometimes we don't like it. But we need to remember that we are exercising our freedom. Paradoxical as it sounds, exercising our freedom when we serve others in love. Amen? In conclusion this morning, thank God for all the freedoms we have in America. As I said, though we have many problems in our country, this is still the greatest, freest nation on the face of the earth. And I believe it's entirely appropriate to celebrate that. But greater than our political freedoms are the freedoms we have in Christ. And we ought to celebrate those also. The freedom from slavery to a superseded law, a law that has been uh, fulfilled and thus superseded in Christ. We're free from having uh, to be justified by keeping a code. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Secondly, the freedom not to indulge our sinful nature. Free, yes, but licensed to do whatever our flesh desires, never. We are free to live in righteousness because of our love for Jesus Christ. Amen? And thirdly, the freedom to serve one another in love. It sounds paradoxical. But we are free to serve. We're not threatened. Our freedom isn't threatened by serving those around us. Thank God for, for spiritual freedom. Thank God for our nation's freedoms. Just thank God this morning that we're free.